0: the Pillars of Health podcast with strength coach John Carroll. Coming to you from the Movement Lab in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're
1: about to dive into everything you need to know when it comes to strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, and stress management. Check us out on movementlabrally.com
0: and coachjohncarroll.com. And now your host, John Carroll.
1: We're getting into our sleep episode today with Brandon Marcello, and he is going to give us a bunch of information to take home and really help us improve our sleep habits. Before we do that, our email here at the show is pod at gmail.com. Shoot us along any questions, comments, or topics you would like to see discussed on iTunes. If you can drop us a quick review, that would be amazing. Also, Brandon Marcello is our guest today. And Brandon has a wealth of experience at the collegiate, professional, and Olympic levels. I hope you guys enjoy. I had a great time interviewing Brandon. I learned a lot. I know you will, too. On the Pillars of Health today, I have Brandon Marcello. We're getting to sleep and everything that goes with that. Brandon, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you on. I think you're going to provide a lot of quality information for the listeners. Before we get into uh, basically how you got to your current position, Brandon, can you tell me What book you're currently reading?
0: Yeah, so um, I, well, I'm I'm just transitioning, actually. I'm currently reading Change by Design. I'm rereading this one. And then just finished Checklist Manifesto.
1: Oh, interesting. How was Checklist Manifesto?
0: Good. Excellent, excellent. A colleague of mine, Brad Scott from uh, the Atlanta Braves, recommended it for me. And, um, yeah, and it it did not disappoint. Excellent.
1: Okay. It's on my Amazon list. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So I've seen you uh, speak at the Perform Better Circuit. I've heard you on other podcasts with Mike Robertson, the Strength Coach Podcast. And I've always gained something from listening to you speak. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time, number one, to do this. Yeah, my pleasure, and I appreciate the kind words. I'm, I'm glad. And, uh, yeah, can you just kind of fill everybody in on your background, basically your path to becoming a performance optimization coach?
0: Yeah. So, um, let's see, I've been doing this for 22 years now and started as a regular garden variety strength coach down at IMG Academies in Bradenton, Florida. And after that, I moved on to uh, help create and start um, uh, Athletes Performance, which is now EXOS. And then from there, I uh, went back to school, got a Ph.D., and then went to work for Stanford University as the director of sports performance. And now I'm a high-performance strategist, uh, and I work with teams, organizations. A lot of my time is spent with the U.S. military solving high-performance
1: problems. Right. Interesting. So you're more of a base towards a tactical athlete, so to speak?
0: Um, I don't know if I would say that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, so the stuff I do with the military is, is a little bit different. It's not necessarily training oh, okay. the, the, the operators, the soldiers, the warfighters, whatever terminology you want to use. Um, it's actually kind of more solving some performance problems that the um, Department of Defense is currently having. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. So we have you on for the topic of sleep. Now, this is a, yeah. a pretty complex topic, correct? Extremely complex topic. So, we always hear the term, or you we know, don't see it in newspapers, magazines, like you have to get eight hours sleep, you have to get more sleep. We keep getting told this, but why do you think the message just doesn't sink in?
0: Um, I think because people function, right? And, and there's a certain amount of a certain level that they can perform at, and I think they don't see that there is a, a higher level, a better level. I think many of us are complacent, and I think we see that, well, I seem to be getting through my day just fine. I might be tired, but it hasn't really affected my performance, and and I don't think they really understand that it probably is. Mm -hmm. And even from a performance, never mind performance standpoint, I think from a health standpoint, from a behind-the-curtain standpoint, I think there are some things which are happening that are are probably not um, beneficial to our health and well-being, especially in the long term. Um, And I think because we don't see those and experience them now, you know, you, you kind of ignore them. You know, it's like the, the the 15-year-old kid that picks up smoking, right? They don't see themselves at 65 with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease.
1: So. Yeah. so can you kind of go into a little bit on the importance of sleep, why it's so important and the role it plays actually in the recovery process? Well, I mean,
0: the, the thing about sleep is
1: that I think you, you need it, right? You, yeah. you can't
0: live without it. Uh, in order to function properly, what we've learned is that uh, you build up sleep debt, right? And meaning that if you need eight hours of sleep and you get seven, you now have accrued some sort of sleep debt, about to the, the tune of one hour. To make the math easy, Right. night you would need to get greater than eight hours, right? You need to pay back that hour, so nine, ideally.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, again, to make the math easy. When we pay back this sleep debt over the long term, we see some very large improvements in performance. And the, the, the research is there, the research supports this. The evidence is there that speed improves, reaction time improves, mood improves, anxiety decreases, memory and consolidation increases um and a whole host of other things that come with it so performance whether in life or whether in athletics
1: increases yeah yeah i'm not sure if you heard nick littlehales on the mike robertson podcast and he was talking about sleep and the optimal dosage to get and stuff like that and basically kind of talked how it goes in 90 minute increments
0: yeah so a sleep cycle runs on average 90 minutes but you know again the, the the tricky part with that, and we used to do this way, way back in, when we were at Athletes Performance back in the, the late 90s and early 2000s, is we would guide our athletes and tell them that, you know, sleep cycle is on average about, you know, 90 minutes, so you want to plan your night accordingly. But the problem is we don't know how long it takes them to fall asleep, right? right. And that, yeah. that can impact things tremendously. Um, so, how long it takes you to fall asleep or what they call sleep latency can impact that. So well, the sleep cycles are nice and knowing that, yes, okay, they're, they're right around 90 minutes or so, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to optimally plan that with, like, s- setting an alarm in the morning is just really, really, like, I think it's inconceivable.
1: yeah. yeah. When it comes to getting a night's sleep and when you don't get that whatever it may be that you need. For some people, they'll get by in six. Other people need that eight. Mm -hmm. What are the negative effects that chronic sleep deprivation over the long term? Like, what can that lead to that maybe some people aren't aware of?
0: Well, I think, you know, there's always some implications in terms of brain health, cardiovascular health, immune health. Um, Really, any system within the body is going to be impacted in the long term. Now, to be fair, there are outliers, right? There are people that can get by on, you know, seven hours six hours of sleep and they might have, live a very long and productive life right but that, that's not going to be everybody mm-hmm. so you know in long term if you don't pay it back there, there, there's some there's a cost of doing business right and and it could be in the form of health it might be in the form of health uh, many times what we see it's not a guarantee but
1: usually that's where it manifests itself right. I saw a stat the other day and I think it was a men's health it may have been basically stating Cardiovascular disease is going to kill one on three people that you know, yeah. and yeah. they at the end of the article they kind of stated some ways to kind of combat this, and sleep was number one. Yeah. So just to re-emphasize, yeah, yeah, sleep environment and creating an optimal sleep environment. When it comes to modern day, we have our electronics, we have uh, flat-screen TVs in the bedroom, phone of course, and all these things are kind of taken away from possibly allowing us to sleep at an optimal level. Um, yeah. Can you recommend some steps to getting to a optimal sleep environment?
0: So this is what ties in what they call sleep hygiene. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, are you, are you taking the right steps that you need to, um, to put yourself in a position to, to get a better night's sleep? And it really comes down, that I've seen, comes down to a routine, right? There is a routine around everything. So these are, you know, these are the behavioral activities that contribute – to um, restorative sleep so you know one consistency going to the same going to bed at the same time each night you know restricting caffeine intake for some people Uh, for most people you know some people need to avoid napping during the day so everybody's going to be a little bit different right but I think the big thing which I think people miss out the most is they lose that routine and do not have that consistency of going to bed around the same time. And, and then around that, you know, when am I turning my phone off? Uh, when am I turning my TV off? And everybody focuses on those things, but everybody seems to miss out on the lights, right? It's like yeah. you, go, you go in your bathroom and brush your teeth the last thing at night, and you have this really bright light, which is just hitting you in the eyes. Everybody's worried about phones and TVs, but nobody ever talks about the lights inside your home, <laughs> which I think blows my mind. It's like, you know, you, you haven't addressed that, yeah. um, and you probably should. So, but anyway, it, uh, developing a routine, a consistent routine and and sticking with it, just like anything, right? Like mm-hmm. exercise, just like eating well, you name it, everything has a routine too. And I think that's when, when, when you see the good things happen, when people stick with these routines and, and develop better sleep hygiene.
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring up the, the light situation because I, in fact, have red lights in my bathroom and living room. Yeah. So... At night, when we come home, myself and my wife Erin is also a coach. So when we come home in the evening, we had that red light. It's not, it's not amping you up. It's not keeping you in a position where you're kind of on, so to speak, right? And uh, right. we get we get a little bit of you know slagging from our friends because basically saying it kind of looks like a an area of ill repute with the red light on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does it does a good job in helping us tone down in the evenings. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point though. Cool. The uh, the sleep hygiene is definitely a term you've kind of heard uh, brought up in a lot of conversations. Uh, and I think when some people hear that term, they're kind of confused as to what exactly it is. So, uh, yeah, thanks for clearing that up.
0: Yeah. No, no, it, you know, it, that's, I think that's one thing too with sleep is that, and, and I think the thing which, you know, I'm going to be speaking on sleep at Perform Better this year. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a very basic talk, right? I mean, I, I have a, a certain amount of expertise when it comes to sleep, but I'm not a sleep scientist. I have not studied sleep extensively like some of the people that I've worked with in the past and still utilize of getting information in the past, right? Like right. Uh, like the Sherry Maz and, and the, the Jennifer Martins and the Dr. Dementz. I mean, these people are-, are experts in the sleep space and are my go-to people when i have a sleep question you know things that we talk about here and the things i'm going to discuss that perform better are just the basics one twos and threes and right. you know abcs about sleep
1: yeah i, I recently interviewed kevin carr from mike Wallace strength conditioning uh just on the podcast and we covered a multitude of topics but he was he was talking about how when people some people come in and they want to work out at the highest level but then we look at the basics and they're not getting eight hours sleep when they're not staying properly hydrated during the day. So how can we do this high level stuff when the basics aren't being taken care of? Yeah, I agree one hundred
0: percent. I mean that's I, I consider sleep and nutrition to be pre covery. I don't even consider them as recovery. I think they are certainly foundational. And I think that they need to be addressed to really get the greatest benefit out of everything you're trying to do to improve your performance.
1: Right. The the common or I'd say the modern schedule has people run around all day long. And so when that person is continually losing out on sleep or chronically sleep fatigued, what are some signs possibly that their body may be sending them or some signs possibly that they're missing that lead to complications later on?
0: Well, I think the one thing is, you know, we always use the term that that drowsiness, you know, I got this from Dr. Dement at Stanford, drowsiness is red alert. So his thing is, if you're ever in the middle of the day, you know, it's middle of the day when you have a natural dip in your circadian um, or diurnal rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. So with that dip, you have this urge to sleep and it's typically right after lunch. So it's the one thing time that people usually attribute this sleepiness in the afternoon to what they ate. Um, in fact, we know that's not the case. What we know is that if you have this this drowsiness after lunch, you have some sort of sleep debt. You didn't get enough sleep, and it's just a great way of of, of giving yourself some feedback. So when you are drowsy in the middle of the day, everybody has that urge to sleep. You know, it should be noted. So the, the difference is, do you feel that urge? And are you compelled to act on that urge or not? Um, The more sleep debt you have and the more sleep deprived you are, the more or the greater that urge will feel. And you'll be, uh, you know, more drowsy and want to take a nap that time of day.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to taking a nap, do you recommend or how long or is it just based on an individual basis?
0: So, I mean, you know… Anytime you have the opportunity to pay back some sleep debt, I think it's great. So, naps, I think, are, are great. The only time naps, uh, I think, might not be beneficial to somebody is if it interferes with your ability of getting a good night's rest. So, if you take like a four-hour nap and you wake up at 8 o'clock at night, and then all of a sudden when you try to go back to sleep later on that night, you can't. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, so… In terms of naps, typically that twenty to thirty minute nap time is is, is recommended, Now, it's hard for people. But um, that's where that and, and you and I spoke about this previously. That nappuccino comes into play, right? That's yeah. something I picked up from from Sherry, right. um, which is you know caffeine takes about fifteen minutes to kick in. Mm-hmm. So what you would do is you would consume some caffeine, lay down. Set your alarm for 20 minutes later or whatever. 30 minutes later, wake up. You have the benefits of a refreshing nap, and you also have the caffeine which is kicked in. So now you um, you don't have that type of uh, greater feeling of sleep inertia is called what's called that drowsiness when you wake up, and that grogginess that sometimes you can feel after waking up from a nap.
1: Right. Yeah. I heard you speak on the Strength Coach podcast, and you mentioned nappuccino, and it just blew my mind. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nappuccino. There you go. I know. So taking that little nap right uh, right after you taking in some caffeine and good to go from there. Well. Do you uh, do you recommend any conditions or best time to take a nap for anybody who may have time in the middle of the day, or is it just again down if, to you
0: know if you can, if you can sneak in a nap, sneak in a nap yeah. right whenever you can. We you could get into specifics, and there are some things you can do to get in the specifics. But again, I think that's kind of like. Um, that's the difference between getting somebody in, just trying to exercise, right, and then picking the perfect type of exercise training plan for them. Yeah, I think the thing is, if you have sleep debt, let's try and let's try and eradicate that, and let's you know, naps are fine. Naps are a great way of doing it. Right. Is that, is there such a thing as getting too much sleep? There is not. There is a myth for that, right? <laughs> and and I think sometimes when people sleep in or, you know, get a, a greater amount of sleep than they normally get, they feel drowsy, right? And they feel groggy. That's sleep inertia. And then that sometimes can make people think that, you know, oh, I got too much sleep last night or, you know, their 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 diurnal rhythm is a little bit out of, a little bit wonky now, right? Because they slept in so long. Um, um, and I think that's to be expected, but it's not a result of getting too much sleep. That That's actually a myth. I actually had an argument with a coach about that one time. Oh really? Um, he was adamant that he got too much sleep, and and I very rationally tried to explain why that was not the case, and he
1: didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's it's hard to get a message across when yeah, that was not fine up to receiving it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Are there any, uh, any books out there you recommend for people to further educate themselves on sleep?
0: There are. There's a few. Uh, a, a few. I'll give you one, uh, my, my go-to. So it's called The Promise of Sleep. Okay. And The Promise of Sleep was written by um, Dr. William DeMent. He is considered the father of sleep medicine. He's the guy that discovered REM sleep. And uh, he's, I've had the fortunate, fortunate enough to work with him while I was at Stanford. So we interacted a lot and, and that's how I met Sherry Ma through him. So, and he, he, he's the father of sleep medicine, has a book, Why Not Start There, right? Yeah. So yeah, The Promise of Sleep is one of the books that he he wrote. Um, I would start there. There's a few other ones that are out there, which are pretty good. Take a Nap, Change Your Life um, isn't a bad book. The author's name escapes me right now. There's two of them, but
1: um, those are some. Two basic ones were which which are a good start. Okay. Great, great. Thanks for those. I'll have to check out that one, the power uh the, yeah. the promises. Yeah, uh if it's okay, we're gonna transition into some listener questions if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So we've got one here from Lindsay who asks how does a night owl go about becoming a morning person? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a great point
0: by Lindsay. So there are two types of people. There are larks and there are owls. So uh, larks are typically your early to bed, early to rise. Mm-hmm. They seem to be more productive in the morning. And your owls, exactly what Lindsay said, are people who are, are more productive in the night. So they go to bed later and they would prefer to wake up later. Right. Problem is, is when you're trying to function in one domain versus the other, right? This goes down to consistency. So, if you can consistently go to bed early as an owl and kind of phase shift, if you will, you should adapt to become more of a lark. It's when you have that inconsistency where you have issues, right? So, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to try and stay consistent Monday through Friday and then all of a sudden on the weekends or Monday through Thursday and then all of a sudden the weekends, I'm going to go back to my owl type of habits, you're going to really have a hard time jumping back and forth. So... You know, it, it's it's all about consistency and staying where you're going to need to be consistent.
1: Right. I've got Alex here, he's got two questions for me and the first one is, what are the top mistakes you have encountered in relation to people and sleep? Um, Obviously, not getting enough, being number one, probably.
0: I think the big thing is I think there's
1: a lot of sleep mythology out there, mm-hmm.
0: just like anything else, right? Training mythology, nutrition mythology. Yeah. I think people sometimes are swept up into the falsehoods when it comes to sleep. Furthermore, I think that there is, and um, I think still there is like this sweeping um, badge of honor when it comes to trying to you know tell people that you have you can get by on very little sleep, right? Yeah. You know, I get four hours of sleep a night, and I'm a very um, successful person. I'm a high performer and blah, 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 right? It's, yeah. and, and and I really doubt that. Yeah, I, I, I really have a hard time. I know that people, like, in having conversations with Dr. DeMent, um, he spent a lot of time in his career, he said, chasing down these people, trying to meet with them and interview them and study them who say they can get by on two hours, three hours of sleep a night. And he said, you know what I found out? He goes, it was an incredible waste of time because there was no such thing. Um, so, Again, I'm going to defer to him because he's the, the expert. And so I think that. I think there is that, like I said, that, that badge of courage. I think sleep pathology mixes into it. Everybody's trying to find a shortcut as well, right? Just That's like true. training, just like nutrition. Yeah. You know, well, I'll take this supplement. It'll give me a deeper sleep. And if I'm in a deeper sleep longer then I need less sleep and I can do be more productive during the day. Yeah. So, you know, trying whatever the, the life hacks or biohacks and it's – um, we're a long way away from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the saying "I'll sleep when I'm dead." you know, Yeah, and that, that'll actually happen a lot sooner if you keep going that route. Correctly. It will.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> so the second one from Alex, he wanted to know the best way to determine quality of sleep.
0: Okay. So the best way, I mean, when we're looking about evaluating sleep methods, there, there are a few different ways. There are wearable devices, right? Yeah. And there's polysomography, which is the gold standard. That's actually when you go into a sleep lab and have your sleep evaluated, right? So they're looking at eye movement, they're looking at heart rate, they're looking at brain waves, things of that nature. You know, that's really knowing where you are and when you are. That's about as precise as you can get to this day. Yeah. A lot of these sleep monitors that people are wearing now are not as accurate as they like they like to think they are. Now, there are a few that are, right? There is a handful that might that might be able to provide you with sleep duration, sleep quality, meaning how many times did you wake up during the night. Um, and that's just based off on like an accelerometer, typically wrist worn that you can wear. Um, a lot of the sleep studies that they do um, are not always done in a the lab. They're, they, they'll be like take home, obviously. So they have research grade actigraphy watches. Um, again, those are research grade. It's not like going down to your, you know, whatever store and, and buying what the, the Fitbit or whatever. Buy, okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Best Buy. Thank you. So. The best way of determining quality, you can try one of those. That's probably the best way. Otherwise, you really don't know how many times you woke up in the night. I wear one. I wear a sleep. Uh, I wear the Ready Band by Fatigue Science. Now it's not commercially available.
1: Yeah,
0: but it's it's ninety four percent accurate compared to polysomnography. Oh, wow. Um, so it's it's close, right? Close to the Yeah, it's, it's it's. So it really comes down to how much error are you willing to accept, and I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to accept seven percent. Yeah. Or six percent. So last night I had two awakenings. Um when I looked at my, my watch this morning, which was pretty good. Some days I have more. You know, I was sick last week, I was fighting a cold and it was pretty nasty one and fever and everything. And yeah. you know, I had an eleven hour night's sleep, but I had fourteen awakenings. I didn't even wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered Alex's question in terms of sleep quality, but you know, a, a device is going to be able to give you that. Um, you can't always go by how you feel when you wake up in the morning. That's kind of a downside. And that's not the segue, but you know, that's one of the downsides about these questionnaires that everybody's asking the athletes is that they're asking them how much sleep they got and the quality of sleep. Um, and I was guilty of asking athletes these things, too. And really what I found out is most athletes underreport the amount of sleep that they've received or need. Yeah. And two, they're way off on their quality. Mm-hmm. So not to mention, if they're sleep-deprived, are they in a good position to take the survey? Yeah. And how much survey fatigue do they have? So there's a lot of things that go into it.
1: That's true. That's true. I digress. No, no, you're, you're, you're totally hit the nail on the head there because any time we have someone do an assessment, the question on there, like, how's your nutrition? Everybody says, good. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks to eat well, right? So, yeah, you, you really bring up a good good point there. The ready band that you mentioned, that's not available commercially?
0: No, it's not commercially available. They they they, uh, they work with the military, they work with heavy industry, and they work with sports teams. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know if there's any plans there moving forward to get it out there? Yeah. or
0: I don't know.
1: That's a good question. I'll have to
0: ask them next time I interact with them, interface with them. But I, I haven't looked, had those conversations
1: with them. Yeah. yeah. Usually, when I
0: when I do I um, do some work with them, it's it's um, uh, I don't get to ask the business questions. I'm not even thinking of them to be honest with you. <laughs> <Right. but
1: laughs> are there any apps you'd recommend that are are pretty good regarding sleep?
0: Well, I I mean it's there's two things to it, right? I mean. Are they accurate? Probably not. Yeah. If they tell you that they can they can provide you with how long you're in REM or this stage or stage two, three, one, that's probably a load of crap, right? There's re- you're really guessing, and, and it's a big it's a big guess. The one good thing that these sleep apps do is they get people thinking about sleep, right? Whether they're accurate or not, let's put that aside. But I guess people thinking about sleep, talking about sleep, and engaged about sleep, and which I think is a good thing. Yeah.
1: So my wife, Aaron, her, her brother lives in New York City, Sean, love him to death, great kid, in his early 20s, and tends to stay up all night long and sleep all day. Mm-hmm. Aaron has been fighting this battle to try and convince him that this is not a healthy, long-term route to go. How would you go about trying to tell someone, basically, this is not a good thing for you? Probably start with a non-family member.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And then two, like any other behavior trying to change, you have to get them to think it was their idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Create a little bit of ownership
0: there. And I mean, it is really. It's like you know, whether it's talking about sleep, nutrition, exercise, training, injury prevention, foam rolling, whatever their homework is, corrective exercise they're supposed to do. You know, people have to come up and think it was their idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We recently done a, an episode on pregnancy and you know new mothers and stuff like this. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of people listening who have kids at home, and I'm sure you know that life with kids can be daunting when it comes to gaining enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Are there any possible solutions you suggest for people in regards to this? Because this is a very challenging time in someone's life, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I, I you know I have a 19 month old at home. Right. Um so this was not too long ago since we went through this but so I read a book and it was called Healthy Sleep Habits Happy Child. Mm. I want to say that's it. It was by Dr. Weizenbluth, Okay. And it was phenomenal. You know it it takes you, you know, what what kind of you should see, you know, first month, first through 3 months and this and that and when wake uh you know when when they start to differentiate between you know, daytime and nighttime. And when all of a sudden their sleeps start to consolidate a little more. So it was really helpful because it allowed me to understand kind of some milestones perhaps, and to keep an eye out for certain things yeah. like it's six weeks for instance. And then they, you know, at this stage. So it's like, that was very helpful as well as the sleep strategies about, you know, looking out for kids and when they're tired and the importance of schedules and you know, how much sleep to get and, and and crying it out versus non-crying it out. Or he called it the extinction method versus the partial extinction method. There's a couple of different ones, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just very helpful. And then it also gave some interesting strategies for, for the mothers and the fathers and the couples, right? Yeah. You know, whether you're a single mom or if you're, if you're not or a single dad or not, you know, there were some strategies in there for you um, to be aware of. And I think that's kind of the, one of the best things for, for us was the fact that it kind of allowed us to peek around the corners a little bit, right? Yeah. To say, okay, this is what to expect, and this is kind of normal, and and you know, and we were, we were lucky, you know. I I was in charge of sleep, so with the baby, right? Um, and uh, you know, it's it's worked really well for us. Um, she's been sleeping twelve hours through the night for a very very long time. Wow call it luck call it divine intervention call the book call it I don't know right I have no idea maybe it just happened we got lucky right um, but you know I've I followed that book to at and um, you, you know you just so, have
1: every parent scrambling for that book right now right
0: <laughs> right but it was it was phenomenal I mean it gives you case studies too in there too you know yeah. and like real- life scenarios of parents you know writing this doctor or talking with this doctor saying you know how do I eradicate this and sure enough you know they Like, one of the things that I picked up was that if you put a child to bed earlier, they actually sleep in later. Right? Mm -hmm. A baby. And I'm like, that kind of sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. And sure enough, the next line says, well, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but, (laughs) and it was like, wow, you know, know," and it also talked about making sure you put the child's needs first. So, you know, if you're working late and you haven't seen the baby all day, don't keep them up. Yeah. And we're also very diligent about her getting her naps in, right? So if we're on vacation or something and- you know, I'll, I'll take the baby home or to the hotel or wherever, and my wife will stay with her family or whomever. And, yeah. you know, we alternate and take t- times doing that. But the biggest thing the book also tells you from a parenting standpoint is make sure you get your rest as well. Yeah. And if the baby goes down for a nap, you take a nap. And, um, you know, because you're, you're only going to be able to help them if you are well rested as well. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, we're in the process of putting together a, an episode later on on recovery. And I think the, the part of training and, you know, getting everything done in your day is highly emphasized, like we're driven to do those things. But then yeah. we kind of miss the boat when it comes to recovery for ourselves. Totally. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Brandon, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Can you kind of fill people in on where to find you perhaps on social media? Sure, so
0: uh, I have twitter uh, it's my handle is b and the number thirteen, so b Marcello is my Twitter handle. My post on Instagram every once in a while it 's the same handle, but it 's i 'm here and I'm spotty with it right. um, and then I have a website brandon Marcello PhD dot com um, where I 'll post blogs and things of that nature, and then um, I also do contribute to other websites as well, um, and then like Mike Boyle StrengthConditioning dot com, I'll contribute to his site, and I also am pretty active on his forum. Okay. Which you know, if you're a member of his site, you can sign up, you can ask questions. There's an advanced forum, there's a beginning forum, there's a nutrition forum, there's a lot of different forums on there, and there's a lot of great people who interact on there, and uh, you know, I like interacting there because I get to. Selfishly, you know, pick people's brains at the same time and read what they have to say. So, that's yeah. um, usually where I can be found. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks and, for having uh, me.
1: Have a good rest of your day. And I know listeners to the Pillars of Health will thank you for your input and everything you've put upon us today. So, we really appreciate it. Jonathan, it was a pleasure. You know,
0: was, uh, I'm sure I'll we'll be seeing you around the, around the around the globe at some point. We'll yeah. I soon. might see
1: you at one of your Perform Better Talks, even. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent guys who are listening at home thank you so much until next time thanks for tuning into this episode of the pillars of health podcast if you found the information helpful and you enjoyed the show head over to itunes and leave us a review and help us spread the word